five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. That is the uh, great Stanley Clark with uh, George Duke. I just want to love you. Two very accomplished uh, jazz musicians who decided they wanted to make some money. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to make some money. And that's not uncommon in the uh, sort of jazz fusion world. I've actually included a couple of uh, tracks like that on the uh, Deep Yacht playlist. Qualifies as yacht to me. I think I threw in a Ronnie Laws track today as well. So we're going deeper and deeper into the yacht. We're supposed to be joined here by uh, George Hobbs pretty quickly. He was in, then he was out. I don't know what happened to him, but hopefully he'll be back. And we're going to be doing a, a simulcast today with the Fact Hunter who streams on Speak Free. Speak Free. I always get it confused with Speak Free and Speak Freely. And there is a difference, by the way. There is definitely a difference. So why don't we do this? Let's take care of the business at hand so that uh, when George arrives, uh, we can just kind of jump right into the topic du jour. We're gonna start with uh, Liz Cheney. Then I think we're going to uh, segue into Dick Cheney. And then we're gonna talk about 9-11 probably. It will come up, no doubt. And as you know, I do this show every day at uh, 9-11 as a uh, uh, memorial, I suppose, to the day that changed history. There he is. Looks like we have George here. What's going on, George? Hey, how are you? I'm good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a quick little promotion here for True Hemp Science. See, I planned this perfectly so your viewers can hear it. And I can get like more bang for my buck with my sponsor. No, that's not really true. <laughs> Normally, yeah, but it's working out that way. So if, you, if you'll indulge me for a moment, just let me take care of some business here. Um, and uh, we always talk about which, what I think is the best hemp product available, CBD available. And I just, I just keep getting ringing endorsements for uh, Chris's product. Um, yesterday, uh, a friend of the show, sent me a text and she had turned somebody on to Chris and rung him up and got first class, uh, you know, white label service with Chris, incredibly happy. I had another uh, comment from Twitter from Chad today and uh, Chad's probably either in chat or listening. And again, 
raving about the high quality CBD content in the gummies, which are fantastic for sleep. So I'm not gonna spend too much time because we wanna get in here and talk with George. But if you're interested in high quality CBD and first class service with Chris, go to truehempscience.com backslash ref backslash 23. And then if you get $100, and this includes George's people as well, if you, if you get $100 worth of product and put in 15MINS when you check out, Chris will give you some free goodies. So that's always a nice little added bonus. And as always, $150 or more gets you free shipping. All right, that's true. Uh, it's true M science, true CBD. And let's get to the truth with the fact hunter himself, George Hobbs. George, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, and, and welcome to you, too, to my show as well. This is great. How are you doing this morning? Well, you know, I'm on five and a half hours sleep, I'm kicking ass. So. <laughs> there you go. Wednesday's a busy day for us here as well. It's auction day, and we're going to be selling today, so we've been going since sunrise. So tell me about auction day. What's auction day all about? Well, well we're, we're homesteaders. Uh, we do a lot with poultry. Some weeks we're sellers, some weeks we're buyers. Um, we saw this coming. Prior to 2020, where we are today, we had a kind of a, a feeling, you know, the way the world would be headed. So we had our eyes set. We, we at least wanted to get a little bit of land and try to self-sustain the best we can. So uh, sans electricity, we're 100%. Well, I mean, we still go to the store for things, but uh, we have our own septic. We have our own well. Uh, right now, we're getting nine, 10 eggs a day from the chickens. We have meat birds. We already got one round uh, in the freezer. We're friends with Amish folks. We're lucky. Uh, to live in the community we do live in. They process them for like four bucks a bird. So uh, we're really, you know, just uh, homesteading and prepping are kind of one hand in each. Uh, so it's just looking out for ourselves. So you say we, how many, how many is we, you and your, you're in your family or are there other people there? Uh, well, it, it's me, my wife, and I still have one daughter at home. Um, but it is, we're in a pretty tight community. We're about a three wood away from Maryland. We're west of Dover, Delaware. But we have a pretty tight community. There are a lot of Mennonites, a lot of Amish. Uh, when you go to auction every Wednesday, which is about two miles down the road, it, you know, everybody shakes hands. It's a different world than when you go into Walmart. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, I don't even think they, do they still have greeters at Walmart, the old uh, geriatric set? Uh, they do, I'm wearing two or three masks and gloves and, yeah, I don't know what it's like in Delaware, but here in Texas, Walmart tried to do that for maybe the first two months, and then people were just blowing past it. But what I noticed was the was the box lot stores were aware of the fact that people were hitting them with the Americans with Disabilities Act stuff on the civil code, and they they couldn't do anything about it. So they're like, you know, we don't want a lawsuit, so we're gonna we're gonna not press this. That's exactly what happened across the board with all the with all the big stores all the box lots they just said screw it we're not gonna we're not gonna do this and what's weird is that smaller stores or smaller venues would not follow that right there they were like well we'll we'll take our chances here but um well that's good i'm glad you're doing it. so you've been you've been on the homestead front for two years and and i'm assuming it's working working out pretty well for you yeah i mean it's it's a full-time job seven days a week you're up at sunrise you know to take care of the birds uh, but it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's something, it, it, the first time you get your first egg and when you eat your first meat chicken, it, it's really something 
that is you're really proud of and you know listen when you get your chickens the first thing they ask you is do you want them vaccinated so even when you get that organic chicken most of them have probably been vaccinated there's two vaccines they give chicken so when you know everything that has gone in your chicken you know exactly what you're eating it's a very rewarding feeling yeah are you growing food out there too like, oh, like yeah. vegetables. Yeah. We invested in a 20-foot greenhouse, and we've, we've had a, just a great harvest. That's one of the things we'll be selling today, uh, a lot of produce. Good for you, George. Thumbs up. And good for you for having the foresight to see what was coming and getting there before the, the, the matting crowd, as they say. Yeah, um, the, uh, the housing market's about to flip, that's for sure. Well, it is, it is going to flip. The only problem with the housing market now is that they've, they've raised the prime. So that if you want to get in on a, you know, something that was affordable, that's affordable now, wasn't affordable, say, a year ago, well, you're going to pay for it on the back end if you have to take a loan out. So they get you coming and going with this system. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Liz Cheney and Dick Cheney, because it's not often that we get to do a little tango here over somebody else's misfortune. <laughs> but I, I take... I take uh, uh, no, I have no shame in this one. And a lot of times, you know, what we try to do is try to discern, like, what's, you know, what's real from what's not real and what's staged from not staged. And I got to say, uh, this is not staged, right? This is a person who got ousted. She's pissed off. Uh, she's blaming uh, Trump. and She's blaming, you know, you know what happened. Uh, she had a... According to her, you know, two years ago, she had a clear path, and now that path isn't so clear. Well, you know, if you, essentially, if you, you know, fuck with the people, um, you're going to get fucked back. And that's exactly what happened. It couldn't have happened to a better or worse person, as far as I do. Let's do a little, let's do a little uh, clip here with Liz Cheney, as she graciously, humbly, accepts her defeat. Let's do this right now. Here we go. Well, thank you all. Thank you so much. It's uh, wonderful to see so many friends, uh, family, uh, especially wonderful to be here uh, on the beautiful Mead Ranch. Uh, and thank you so much, Brad and Kate, for that wonderful introduction. Um, we really are in God's country, and it's wonderful to welcome so many here. I want to say, first of all, a special thanks to every member of Team Cheney who is here in the audience. Um, and to tell you, our work is far from over. Uh, among the many, many blessings that we have as Americans. Uh, right, let's skip this garbage. And my husband, Phil. The fake husband, Phil. Elizabeth is uh, starting law school today. Oh, so we'll have another generation carrying on dedication to the Constitution generation and, and to our freedom. Uh, a little over a year ago, I received a note from a Gold Star father. He said to me, stand because they are a reminder of how yeah, we must all... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just get to the cut to the chase. ...experiment called America. And at the heart of our democratic process, 3% of the vote. 
I could easily have done the same again. The path was clear. The path was clear. But it would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election. It would have required that I enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take. All right, why don't we just stop there? Let's just jump into this. Number uh, one, Robert, go ahead. Yeah. how dare she mention a gold star family? Her father was single-handedly responsible for the deaths of thousands of soldiers, sailors, uh, airmen, and Marines. Uh, and of course, for the uh, tens of thousands, if not millions of lives that were destroyed uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan and Libya. What an absolute fraud, man. Just the, the nerve, the gall of these people. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think she's one of the dumbest people I've ever seen behind a microphone. She, I mean, you can tell if somebody has some intelligence because they have a variety of facial expressions, right? I mean, they, they can look amused, they can, they can, you know, uh, have any number of ways that they can show what they're thinking and feeling. She's got like one face, right? She never changes. And some people will say, well, she's implacable. No, I think it's a lack of intelligence. She's just not very bright. I'm not even sure she lives in Wyoming. And then we get to her father, who ultimately is very problematic in this whole thing. Well, uh, as far as the facial expressions, I, I think that's a thing that goes hand in hand with psychopaths. Um, nothing phases them. They, they don't, just like uh, the Bush family, the, the entire Cheney family, they have no problem going to sleep at night, even though they know they are, you know, responsible for the death of, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Psychopaths. It perfectly describes the the one the emotionless face that these monsters wear. Yeah, and even her father. We're gonna we're gonna play that absolutely bizarre video where he's dissing Trump at some point here. But are you familiar with uh, Kathy O'Brien's book, Transformation of America? Have you ever read that? No, I don't think I have. So Kathy O'Brien, um, for people who are not familiar with her, there was kind of a spate of people that were coming out, women were coming out and telling their stories about being like sex slaves and MK Ultra program beta kittens. Um, and I think the two most famous were Bryce Taylor and Kathy O'Brien. So. I bought Kathy O'Brien's, actually my friend let me read her book. He had, he had purchased it. And uh, it's a shocking book. And it takes you right in to the entire process from start to finish, where somebody, a young woman, is sold out by her father. And I think she's around nine or 10 years old when this whole thing starts. And it's in Michigan. And the first person that she gets sold out to is the governor of Michigan, a guy named Guy Vanderjack. And then along the way, she goes through this trauma-based programming. And one of the first things that happens to her when she's young is the family dog is killed in front of her, right? So this is what happens to these people, right? This is what happens to her. And eventually, she gets passed off in this deep network of handlers. And as the trauma-based programming uh, begins to take hold, what they have is they have alters, right? And these split personalities. And to get into those altars, they have these, these, uh, these programs. And a lot of them are based on very innocuous things like the Wizard of Oz or Little Red Riding Hood or Cinderella. And they'll use famous quote unquote quotes from those movies or those stories 
to access various parts of the altar. So this is what happened with Kathy O'Brien. Eventually, she's you know deprogrammed by her husband, who, by the way, actually comes out of that world. Um, he's not around anymore. Kathy still does. She gives interviews. But one of the main players in that in that book is Dick Cheney, and the things that Dick Cheney does in that book are absolutely deplorable. I mean, talk about just the, the worst of the worst. So according to Kathy O'Brien, Dick Cheney and, and uh, George H.W. Bush would take her and her daughter, her young daughter, and they would take, take them to places like this kind of remote region outside of Mount Shasta, and they would play a most dangerous game with them. And for people who don't know what a most dangerous game is, uh, humans become prey. So they, and, and, and not only would they play the most dangerous game with them, but according to Kathy, both Dick Cheney and George Bush would be high out of their skulls on speedballs. So they were doing coke and heroin at the same time. And then they would essentially strip Kathy and her young daughter and then turn them loose and come after them with guns. They were, they were like predators. And one of the things that Kathy has said about Dick Cheney and you can know at this point that she's not lying, is she said that Dick Cheney had an enormous member, right? And then our friend Giuseppe, who uh, worked at the Wisconsin, the Mil I think the Milwaukee paper, I forget what it's called. Anyway, when he was there, Dick Cheney was actually there. And there was a, there was a photo shoot with Dick Cheney kind of standing in front of this car. Right, and if you look carefully, you'll you'll see like the the boa constrictor in his pants, right? So Kathy O'Brien ain't lying when it comes to that, and not many people would probably know that, right? So if that's the case, that she was able to, you know, understand the intimate details of what Dick Cheney's packing, um, then the other stuff is probably not too far afield. So when you go into the event where Dick Cheney winds up shooting his hunting buddy in the face, again, what's going on there? He's probably, you know, high out of his gourd, right? So these are the people that we're dealing with. That's his daughter. And what was his daughter, what was his daughter uh, open to? Or what, what was she exposed to, literally and figuratively, right? And, you know, and is this why she's got that, what do they call it in prison, the thousand yard stare? Because she kind of has that. So that's what we're dealing with with these people. We're, we're dealing with incredibly damaged and programmed and really despicable humans who, who have absolutely no care or compassion or empathy for anybody else. And it's pretty clear with her. You can just see it right there. And, you know, what you're kind of alluding to there is fear-based mind control. And I think they've learned to do that to the masses as well. I think that's uh, what 9-11 was all about. Look how uh, quick we were to hand over our liberties uh, in the Patriot Act. You know, whatever, we don't just, whatever it takes to keep it safe, here, take it. And then the same thing happened 19 years later with COVID-19. The, the Bockingbird media was posting these videos of uh, people in Wuhan, China, just collapsing in the streets. And um, all the predictive program had a huge hand in that as well. You want to talk about two movies, um, Outbreak in 95, Dustin Hoffman, in 20, uh, 2013, it was um, contagion. Um, these things, and, and there was a lot of predictive programming with 9-11 as well. But the same thing happened March 11th, 33, of course, 
uh, when um, Trump himself said, hey, 15 days, it'll be over, just do as we say, and here we are. I, I start my show every day with uh, today is uh, day 889 to flatten the curve, and here we are. So, um, and we were quick to close our churches, right? Who would have ever dreamed we would have closed our churches? Um, mom and pop shops gone, the largest transfer in history because of that fear-based mind control. Yeah, they really, they really put uh, their stake in the ground with 9-11. And one of the things that I've talked about on this show is when George Bush had his famous quote, which was, you're either with us or against us, I don't think he was talking about the Muslims or the Arab world or people who were trying to stand up for, you know, those, you know, basic human freedoms and rights. What he was saying was, you're either with us in what we're doing or you're against us, right, in this country. I mean, that was the subtext of that whole thing. It had nothing to do with, you know, the allies or whatever. And, and that's what happened. People were shocked and traumatized and they, they've got railroaded into this kind of jingoistic patriotism, which I, which I was revolted by at that time. Um, so yeah, I mean, here we are, we're coming up on 9-11 again. And what do you think, what do you think Trump really knows about 9-11? Do you think that, I think he, I, I know what I think he knows, but why, I wanna know what you think he knows about 9-11. Well, there was that audio clip. It was either on September 11th or the day after where it seemed like he was questioning the official narrative. And I'm a little torn on Trump. I do know that, you know, in 87, when he was on the verge of bankruptcy, about to lose everything, uh, Wilbur Ross, who represented the Rothschilds, uh, saved him from bankruptcy. And, you know, 30 years later, he would become, and by the way, Wilbur Ross, a, lifetime, a lifeline Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, excuse me. And in 2017, he just decided to become a Republican and took over Secretary of Commerce. So that certainly looked like a little bit of, I'm gonna help you out today, but one day the Rothschilds are gonna come calling. There's also a part of me who thinks that maybe, just maybe he was wanting to do some good. Um, and then there's the thing that everybody discusses is when he first went into that meeting with uh, Barack Obama and he came out, it looked like he'd saw Lucifer himself. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, what, what, uh, what Obama did is he, he probably took him into the back room and uh, Michael was there naked and uh, opened up the bathrobe. Say, say hi to Baphomet. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, Trump is always an interesting character because there is a part of Trump who I think is earnest and wants to do something good. And then there's another part of Trump who will do anything, right? I mean, I think that's part of his programming, which I've talked about here many times. His two mentors are Roy Cohn, who's an absolutely despicable human. And then his other mentor is Norman Vincent Peale, who I think, you know, the power of positive thinking, you know, he's a, he's a uh, if I'm not mistaken also, he's a master mason. He married uh, Trump and um, Ivana. So those are, that, that's, I mean, those two figures really epitomize in a lot of ways who Trump is, right? Because on, on one side, you'll have, you'll have the devil on the left and you'll have the, you know, the angel of the redeemer on the right. And even early on with COVID, 
And I'm, I'm usually pretty good at, you know, kind of sussing out where people's sincerity is. Even early on with COVID, you could see where, you know, he's talking about hydroxychloroquine, like he's, you know, he's trying to put together kind of a counter, counter front in some ways to this whole thing. And then it just, the wheels just come off of it. He's ridiculed. They use all of this against him. And at the end of the day, he, you know, he was right. But then on the other hand, he just puts his pedal to the metal and it's like, you know, warp speed ahead. So I think something happened somewhere in there. What do you think? You think that they got to him or that, that he just said, all right, I, you know, I just got to play this game, come out the other side and hopefully regroup or was that always part of the plan? What are your thoughts on that? I think originally my, my thoughts were that he was, he had good intentions and then he just, you know, he ended up tapping out to the powers that be because it was too much. However, uh, you know, I stop and think there's so much duality with, with Trump. Maybe he is a 33rd or 32nd degree Freemason. Just look what you're talking about. You're talking about Roy Cohn and then Norman Vincent Peale, uh, two different extremes. Uh, that's what I was talking about on my podcast last night, all of the duality with Freemasons, just like uh, the, the pillars, uh, Boaz and Yoakum, right? That which represented the Twin Towers, all the duality that goes into these things. Um, and, and at the end of the day, he is the guy, still to this day, he just brags about those, those death clots, those death shots. Um, and he keeps, how, how out of touch of your base can you be? Every time he even mentions it at his little, which is weird, these rallies he does, he's not president anymore. Do you find that a little weird where he goes around to these different towns and 40, 50, 60,000 people show up and, you know, and most of these are good God-fearing people, red-blooded Americans, the people that we want our team when the time comes. However, there's this blind faith that these folks have that it's just, just, it was a little weird to me. What about you? Yeah, so, I, I, yeah, I think he's like toned down his, uh, his bullhorn on, on the vaccines. He's really not talking about that as much anymore. But for a while, it was like, can, can, can you please give it a rest? Right? Like, you know, you did it. And you could say one time, well, it looks like it's effective. And maybe we'll see somewhere down the line you know, how effective it was. I mean, you know, leave yourself an out, but he didn't do that. I mean, every stop along the way, he was just beating his chest on this thing. And I think he finally heard the, the you know, the roaring feedback on it, which was, we don't want to hear that. So he doesn't really bring that up. As far as your other point goes, you know, people, people are living in really, in their, in their world's hopeless times, right? These, these seem to be hopeless times. So you have one person who, for better or worse, right, has represented something that they relate to, which was being pushed around and silenced. And Trump, still to this day, has that has that power. He has that that brand where he broke from the pack and said things that they always wanted to say. And I think for a lot of those people, not all of them, but for a lot of those people, they are still indebted to him because he was a liberator for their own. Um, their own censorship, like their own being in their own pr the prison of their own mind and their own thoughts and not being able to share them with other people for better or worse. So I think there's some loyalty there with that, whether it's blind loyalty, uninformed loyalty, you know, I, I can't, I can't say, 
um, it does appear at times that it, it has the same kind of fervor and zeal that people that really believed in Obama had at the same time, right? Like Obama could do no wrong. And even to this day, he could do no wrong. So I, I think Eric Hoffer wrote a book called The True Believer. And, you know, he's a big union organizer and ultimately a lefty. But I think that there's something to that, right? People need, people need to have that kind of traction, belief, and faith. And if they don't have it, their, their lives are like rudderless ships in a lot of ways. Yeah, all great points. Um, and when you were talking about being able to relate and the people who were maybe, whether you called them lonely or, you know, especially through the, uh, the pandemic, do you think is that why the Q phenomenon took off and so many people, you know, considered themselves keyboard warriors and GFK Jr. was coming back? Yeah, I mean, I, so <laughs> Q's a really complicated um, question in... So I, this is me personally. I think he was a program. And, uh, and so I see it in two separate ways. Number one, as an incubator, like it got a lot of people up to speed very quickly on some things that they may not have normally looked at. So I actually think there's a positive side to Q. Like you had baseball moms talking about stuff they'd never talked about before because all of a sudden there was this community that all had a common interest and a shared interest, some of which was Christian, some of which was like pro-alternative health, some of which kind of comes in from the new age side of things. They all come together and they're all looking for truth. The downside is that once they were there, they could be moved around and migrated from topic to topic, whether it was true or not. And at the end of the day, ultimately it became weaponized. And that's where we are now. We're in the weaponization queue in January 6th and Alex Jones and now whatever's happening with Trump. But, you know, I think we have to go back to the original Gordian knot, which is kind of where we started this conversation, which nobody really talks about that much anymore. And that's 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, you know, our parents and grandparents, JFK, which, you know, all those people who are involved, you're long dead and gone. There was no accountability. And shame on us if we allow... Uh, those people involved. Look, Rumsfeld's already gone. H.W. Uh, Bush is already gone. You know, those people, the Cheneys, they're all in their 80s. You know, shame on us if, if we don't ever get accountability for 9-11 and, and the COVID disaster, which continues today. Um, well, I think, I think that the, the theme, right, the theme that runs from 9-11 through the, uh, the clear break PNAC project for a new American century, all the way up through COVID. You get into Pfizer and you get into Moderna and a lot of these companies that have been pushing and promoting this poisonous spew that now there's a real backlash with now. People are starting to figure this thing out finally is you have people like the neocons, right? The neocons are still around. They were the ones that were pushing for this thing. So you still have the Kagans, right? They're still around. You have the Crystals. They're still around. And then you, you have essentially, for better or worse, you know, people like Rochelle Walensky and Stefan Bancel, uh, Albert Borla. And while they're not neocons, right, they're, they're not that far afield for, you know, because really what we looked at with 9-11 was, for all intents and purposes, a regime change. 
There was a regime change in this country. And the next phase of that regime change was exactly what you were talking about, which was COVID. It's, and, and it was part of the same, part of the same spectrum. And I've talked about this before, that when we go into a presidency that starts on a, on a zero year, right? So we started with George Bush in 2000, well, 2001, right? We go into the, the whole 9-11 um, spell for lack of a better term. And then in 2020, we go into Joe Biden. And even though the COVID piece had started before then, that's all part of the regime change. And it's yet, it's another layer of the regime change. So the, the, the people that were part of 9-11 are still around. And some of the older ones are beginning to matriculate out. The key to a lot of this is Ukraine, because Ukraine is where the neocons ultimately invested their energy and where now we're investing hundreds of billions of dollars. So it's not like these things are separate events. Then th theoretically, if you go into Ukraine, you can find like some of these labs apparently that were there, you know, creating viruses and all the other, you know, Pandora's box uh, material. And then guess what, right? We're, we're back in this other world of, you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies and creating the so-called, uh, you know, remedies to these, to these uh, you know, these contagions. So there you go. Isn't that, you made a, a very poignant point there you talking about PNAC and Robert Kagan, who, of course, is a skull and bones guy from Yale. But look at the connections. He was the one of the 25 authors of the Project for New American Century, which called for a new Pearl Harbor, uh, which you got a few years later. But his wife was was really almost single-handed, I don't want to say single-handedly responsible, but certainly Victoria Newland played a huge part in the Maidan Revolution in February of 2014. And there's a lot of mouth breathers out there that think this whole thing just kicked off, you know, six or seven months ago. Um, you know, this regime change that took place in 2014, uh, they've been wearing out the uh, Russian-speaking folks in eastern Ukraine for eight years. And Putin finally just had enough is the reason why he went in. And you're also right. There's a reason why we care about Ukraine. It's because Usamrit and Fort Detrick, uh, of course, there's the whole... Um, you, you can't really make these contagions here in the States. So what they did was they, they were, from what I have heard and read about, a lot of these laboratories where they were working on smallpox, uh, coronavirus, uh, things like that, were in Ukraine. Um, not to mention that it is single-handedly one of the most corrupt nations in the world. And probably, I, I would say, 70% of the world's money laundering goes through Ukraine, and then with a little cherry on the top is that it is uh, Tel Aviv 2.0, right? Huge home, especially in Kiev for uh, Ashkenazi Jews and the tribe. Yeah, yeah, so it's not too difficult to link the players from 9-11 all the way up through the COVID pandemic and all the way into Ukraine. So there, there's a thread there. Right, there is a threat, and people look deep enough, they'll find the threat. It's 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 not it's not it's not impossible. Um, I was trying to look at this movie. I forget the name of it, but it's one of those movies that really goes into the heart of predictive programming, uh, and I think it goes right along with uh, the Contagion film. I'm just trying to get it back on my radar again. Let me just see if I can find it. 
Yeah. If I, if I said it, you would probably absolutely know the movie I'm talking about. Um, it's a it's a Bruce Willis movie. Bruce Willis made a ton of movies. Yeah, uh, the Siege. Do you know The Siege? Is that a newer one? I'm not sure I recall that. So The Siege is a really... Uh, here, let me show you the... Uh, Shit, I could even play the I could play the trailer for it. Why don't we just play the trailer? Yeah, that'd be cool. Let's do that. So this is a 9-11 predictive programming movie. And you can even see here, right? Look at look at the look at the uh, you've got the twin towers, and then you have these twin arches on the bridge, right? There's the twin towers in the background, Buzz and Yakin, which you're absolutely 100 percent correct about. So hey, look Robert. Yeah. Look at the date that it premiered. On November 6th, look at that. 666. Look at that, interesting. Very interesting. All right, let's, um, our freedom is history. Look at that, okay. Let's play this. And um, hopefully I get the, uh, the share screen thing connected. Sometimes it doesn't always work, right. Denzel Washington, of course, is gonna be the hero here which also sets up <laughs> some degree of predictive programming, right? But let's play it anyway. Here we go. Hello, sir. It's Agent Hubbard, FBI. And what I propose is that you let these people go, and I'll take their place. I'm going to take your silence to mean that you're considering my offer. Oh, God. London, Belfast, Beirut. We're not the first city to have to deal with terrorism. This is New York City. We can take it. You don't understand. These guys are pros. From the age of 12, they've been dodging people like you. The situation is appalling. They're attacking our way of life. The president wants it stopped, and there's only one way to do that. He's saying the president is prepared to take the necessary steps. Today, with the invocation of the War Powers Act by the president, I am declaring a state of martial law in this city. We intend to seal off this borough, and we intend to squeeze it. Do you have any idea what you're starting here? It's wrong! What if what they really want is for us to herd children in the stadiums like we're doing? and put soldiers on the street and have Americans looking over their shoulders. Bend the law, shred the Constitution just a little bit. We do that and everything that we have bled and fought and died for is over. Don't you ever again question my command, is that clear? I'm not under your command, General. Take a look around, tell me if you really think that's true. So there you go, a little dose of the siege. That's interesting. I certainly, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. And that's um, stars. What's that? That's a star-studded movie. Denzel, Annette Bening, Bruce Willis. Yeah, and uh, Ed, Ed Zwick, who did the movie Glory. Oh, that's right. Was the director, and you know he's got a a longer, pretty long-term relationship, I think, with Denzel Washington. I think that's what Denzel Washington. Got his bones, as they say. So that movie came out in 1998. 
So that was um, three years before 9-11 and promoting the, uh, the whole Islamic threat, right? The whole Islamic threat. And so you have that and then you have Contagion, you put the two movies together and well, there you go, there's the script. That's really interesting. By the way, I, I go to break in about four minutes, but I wanna ask you this. I don't mean to completely jump ship. Hopefully you don't mind me asking this question. But when I, in that trailer, when we started seeing clips of these football stadiums and quarantines and lockdowns, you know, they've made a lot of this whole, we've been speaking about Donald Trump with that raid on Mar-a-Lago. And then the FBI the last week has been coming out with these bulletins you know, beware these crazy right-wing extremists. There's reports that uh, there's going to be a dirty bomb set off. We do know, you saw what happened to Liz Cheney yesterday in her election. Do you think they're going to try to pull off a false flag under the guise of a crazy white-wing extremist getting revenge for Trump to bring in martial law to skirt the elections this fall? Yeah, they're already talking about it. So do you want to come back after your break? You want to do that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Why don't you take your break and I'll entertain the troops. Okay. Um, and uh, when, when you come back, we'll, we'll talk more about um, that that's, uh, dark possibility. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take you off camera and I'm going to mute you and then I'll see you like right after the top of the hour, okay? All right, sounds good. It's been a great first hour, thanks. Yeah, me too. Looking forward to seeing you again here real soon. All right, here we go. All right, so that's uh, George Hobbs over on the Fact Hunter, and he, he does this, I think, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over on Speak Free Radio. So it's pretty cool that we're simulcasting live uh, across uh, two platforms, which this is when technology actually works, right? It's like, hey, look at this. You know, I'm able to do this here in Texas. He's in Delaware. You know, we're combining our audiences, we're combining our streams, we're combining ideas. So this is, this is where technology gets a thumbs up for me. So let me check in with you guys, because I haven't been able to do that. We just really jumped in with George. And um, let's see who we have here. Um, <clears throat> uh, C.C. Francis, I still can't talk to people about 9-11 truth, they just won't see it. Wendy says, crazy girlfriend. Tom, what's going on, Tom? Good to see you here. Maurice 100, looking forward to seeing you in October, my friend. Absolutely. That is a very big topic right there. It is for sure. Public accountability has been sadly lacking in our Western societies for a very, very long time. Perhaps the playing field is Ryan is here, KNS. They were a very unique band when they came out. We have some music talking here. What'd you guys think of that? Uh, the Grateful Dead reminds me of the Grateful Dead days where the parking lot was as big or even bigger as the Dead show. Uh, Amazing Polly was a cute person. I like her work. Altars are baked into Trump's ass for cake. I would say that that's true. Absolutely, Chris and Steve. He's, he's split. He's a total split, maybe more than one. Um, MAGAs are actually more informed than Trump. Wow, that's a really good point. At least on the surface, you never know how much Trump really knows. That's the one thing 
about Trump. Why wouldn't Trump have vultures as well? Absolutely. I mean, look at his programming. His programming completely suggests alters. Uh, I have a friend that believes so strongly in Obama that he could do anything and she would still love him. You know, it's just transference. Ryan says, in my opinion, MAGA movement is bigger than Trump. And a lot of people are, are there because of that. So, Ryan, I want to support you in that. Because when Trump got elected, and this is, this is what I kept telling people, this is what I kept telling people. It's like, don't get attached to Trump. Ride the energy. Like, ride the energy. The energy is independent of Trump. The energy was already there. What did Trump do? He tapped into the energy. So, Ryan, I'm in 100% in agreement with you about that. And that was always my, ma my mantra. People would get... So, in fact... Even on January 6th, when, so on January 6th, we, we were actually down at um, City Hall, actually to the county, the county office here in, in Fredericksburg. And we had the local radio station was there. Uh, I think it's called The Patriot. And they had a widescreen TV, they had some speakers, and they were actually uh, streaming Trump's speech on January 6th. And I was like, can you turn him the fuck down? Really, that's what I was saying. It's like, turn him down, and instead of like looking at the screen, let's look at each other. <laughs> that's what I was saying. It's like, you know, let's, let's not be sucked into the black hole. And that was always, that was always my position with Trump. I didn't mind him for that reason. It's like it was about the energy, because the energy was there. It was a wave, and he caught the wave. That, that energy was going to happen, and he galvanized it and, and catalyzed it in a lot of ways. But it's not about him. It's not about him at all. Um, was that the movie that was delayed because of 9-11? No, I don't think so. That came out in 1998, just to, to set the record straight there. Great guest. Yeah, George is really cool, right? I like George. Here's Anna Sophia. Hi, Anna. You guys are digging it. George sounds informed, intelligent, level-headed. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, this is how we. This is the the virtual tribe. This is the virtual network. You know, this is you know how people are, for lack of a better term, I don't want to use the word assembling because it's not really assembling, but connecting, like connecting the nodes. We're connecting nodes here. And this is part of the Aquarian age. I mean, you're in the Aquarian age. This is the other side of it, right? We're able to tap into technology and everybody seems to be, and this is the one thing I'll say about the Q movement that is, I think, actually empowering is that it, like the incubator model is the model that I still affirm. And if you can kind of untangle part of the, hook into the belief system, you're seeing a widespread, for lack of a better term, democratization of intelligence and consciousness. So we're kind of all rising in our own way. We may have differences. We may see the central point of the organizing principle differently, 
but we're all here together. Let's see George's uh, back in and ready to go here because we're just after the top of the hour. I'm gonna unmute and um, I'm going to start his video. So when he's ready, he'll just jump right back in because I've given him permission to do that. All right, what other comments do you have here? Um, that was kind of my experience that day. I was by the Washington Monument, could barely hear Trump's speech. It was a really cool vibe with all the people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fran says, I remember that, Robert. Yeah, I was talking about that back then. It seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? He doesn't have a white, he's on Speak Free Radio. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, George and I have been uh, comparing notes, and I think he's thinking about going over to BoxCast, which would be a really cool thing. Uh, Queen Lisa, checking in between patients. Should just stream it live. Stream it live in the old chiropractor's office there. Uh, George Hobbs' website, The Fact Hunter. Okay, you guys are filling in the blanks. Thank you for doing that. I've been right. Confuse the gas pedal for the brake a dozen times a day as she crashes through walls and windows and scatters bricks, body parts, and cornflakes in every direction. Who's, who is that guy? Ford began publishing articles in his newspaper, The Dearborn Independent, which would end up being published as a four-volume set of books entitled The International Jew. This four-volume set spanned over 1,000 pages, comprising of 80 articles, and in 2012, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock published an extract of each one of these articles in his book, The Synagogue of Satan, Updated, Expanded, and Uncensored. In 2020, 100 years after Henry Ford started publishing The International Jew, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, Blackbird Nine, and Golden Pipe Wrench began recording a 12-part series on this four-volume set. Money Tree Publishing are now proud to offer this groundbreaking 12-part series containing over 11 hours of audio content on one of the most astonishing and controversial series of books ever published. We hope you find it as interesting to listen to as we found it to produce. Yours, ACH, BB, and GPW. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for being here again. This is, uh, this is George Hobbs from The Fact Hunter, streaming live from Speak Free Radio. Um, I wanted to play the video of miserable Dick Cheney calling out Trump here. And I never, I never played this video. I mean, I played it, but not for people live. So let me do that. This will be a kind of a, a uh, gripping way to begin this uh, second part of the show here in the second hour. Nation's 246 year history. There has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our Republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Lynn and I are so proud of Liz for standing up for the truth, doing what's right, honoring her oath to the Constitution when so many in our party are too scared to do so. Liz is fearless. She never backs down from a fight. 
There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. And she will succeed. I am Dick Cheney. I proudly voted for my daughter. I hope you will too. I'm Liz Cheney, and I approve this message. Loser. So let's go back to this guy. You, you, you recognize the hat? This is the same hat that the sheriff in Uvalde was wearing. Do you remember that? That's right. That is exactly the same one. A little symbolism. There you go. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, doing a little show and tell here. And he's also saying, hey, look, I'm a white hat. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And, and the, the, gall, the gall of this guy, he, who basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an expletive here, fucking ran 9-11. Yep. On, the, on the state side, right, the state side team, he fucking ran 9-11, which was an attack on the American people. And he has the gall to accuse Trump as being the greatest threat to democracy ever? Are you kidding me? I mean, this is, this is just complete clown world. And sadly, there's, there's a lot of people who believe this mess. It's... Uh... It's abhorrent. Wow, what a, what a clown show. And by the way, uh, dollars to donuts, there's probably a 90% chance that Liz Cheney is going to be leading the Democratic ticket uh, in 2024 for President of the United States. Oh, well, she's going to have to climb over AOC. That'll be a cat fight that I'd like to witness. 330 million Americans, and, and we're, we're talking about AOC and Liz Cheney. <laughs> what right. a clown world well, we well, well, the real shark in the water is Gavin Newsom. He is the shark in the water. And, and, and he may be in the White House sooner than either of them at this point in time. Uh, Liz Cheney has basically announced that she's already going to run for president. Like, that's really, you couldn't even win your district in Wisconsin, and now you're going to run for president. And I think she started a pack and whatever, right? Just whatever, you know? Just yeah. go home, go home. I don't even think she lives in Wyoming, does she? Probably not. I know that's where, you know, they were born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska. But again, uh, I'm sure she mostly spends most of her time in Washington, D.C. Uh, By the way, going back to what Dick Cheney was just saying, you're talking about a guy who created the continuance of government, which was uh, a weapon to sideskirt the Constitution. And he had the gall to say the things that he said about Trump. Again, I'm not a huge Trump guy, MAGA guy or anything like that, but it's just the hypocrisy of the, the statements that these psychopaths say, it just, it never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, and of course, Dick Cheney is the link to the neocons. Yeah. But he is the link, uh, and that's where they all, they all cut their teeth. And the, the kind of the, the I guess the, the father figure, for lack of a better term, scion of the neocons was, was Scoop Jackson. Do you know much about Scoop Jackson? Know the name, not, not, I, he was part of PNAC, wasn't he? He was one of the authors of PNAC? No, no. So Scoop, Scoop Jackson, if I'm not mistaken, was from either Idaho or Wyoming. Let me just do a quick Scoop Jackson here. Um, and Scoop Jackson was somebody that the neocons really uh, looked up to, right? They, he, he was, he was, he was their, he was their idol. So let's see, um, career, no, that's the other Scoop Jackson, that's the ESPN guy, I don't want him. 
Oh, okay. So he had ties with Wolfowitz and Pearl. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. So Henry M. Jackson, and uh, he was uh, Washington, born in Everett, Washington. So he was from Washington State. Uh, his political beliefs were characterized by support of civil rights, human rights, and safeguarding the environment, but with an equally strong commitment to oppose totalitarianism in general and communism in particular. Uh, the political philosophies and positions of Scoop Jackson have been cited as an influence on a number of key figures associated with neoconservatism, including Paul Wolfowitz and Richard Pearl, both of whom previously served as aides to the senator. Seattle-based Henry M. Jackson Foundation was created in 1983 by his former colleagues. So Scoop Jackson was the sort of the model for neoconservatism because of his theoretical uh, hatred for Russia and the neoconservatives supposedly shared that with him. The weird thing about Scoop Jackson is his death. He ran for president, he didn't do very well. So his death is really bizarre. On September 1st, 1983, Jackson died suddenly in Everett of an aortic aneurysm at the age of 71, shortly after giving a news conference condemning the Soviet attack on Korean Airlines flight 007. Uh, news reports showed video footage in which he was seen reflexively massaging the left side of his chest while talking and speculated that it was his reaction to an early symptom of a fatal heart attack. So basically what he was saying was that the Russians were responsible for shooting down uh, flight uh, KL flight 007. And of course, Congressman Larry, Larry McDonald was on that flight. So Scoop Jackson meets a really weird end. Like he might've almost been hit with some kind of a heart attack weapon while he was, while he was giving that speech. Cause you can watch him. He's kind of going like, then after the speech, the guy keels over and dies. But he's, he's the one that basically introduces this whole idea of neoconservatism. So you get the Wolfowitzes and the Pearls and the Kagans and all these other people. And then on the other side, you get people like Rumsfeld, uh, Roger Stone, by the way, is in that group. And also um, Don Rumsfeld, John Bolton. What do you think of Bolton being in the Trump uh, cabinet? What's your thoughts on that? There were so many oddities with his appointments. I mean, here's a guy who preached about the deep state and then he brings in Bill Barr. I mean, you don't get any more deep state than that. Barr's dad gave uh, Jeffrey Epstein his first job. That's right. Um, and, you know, he was part of the Bush. Uh, you know, he worked with George H.W. Bush in the 90s. And that is as deep as deep state as you can get the Bush family. Because that whole family had a hand uh, in 9-11, you know, along with Mossad and the CIA. But, uh, and then uh, what else? He didn't fire Fauci, which was a huge mistake, right? He, he, another deep state guy who's been uh, in office for 40 or however long it's been. Um, and then Bolt, yeah, just a, another um, warmonger, um, another guy who, again, if you're running under the guise of draining the swamp, these are the people who you can't have in there. Um, I don't think he wanted Bolton. I don't think he wanted him. I, I think that Sheldon Adelson wanted him to have Bolton when Sheldon Adelson was still alive uh, because Bolton connected to Israel, connected to all those very strong Israeli ties. I think a lot of the appointments that Trump had were political paybacks. And you, you mentioned Wilbur Ross, and I think clearly 
that's one of them, right? That's one of them. Um, and then he probably had to listen to Sheldon Adelson to take Bolton on. I don't think he liked him. And that's what really marred Trump's first term. I think he had a lot of debts he had to pay. That's, that's part of what I think he did. Now that makes sense. And again, Bolton, he was, here's another PNAC guy. And if, if, if uh, excuse me, if Trump really knew the truth about 9-11, what in the world is he doing with PNAC guys in his cabinet? Again, unless it's, you know, you know just pay, paying back uh, his debts. Oh, I think he, I think that was part of it. He, he never really mentioned George Soros ever during his time in office. It's because Soros bailed him out on a, on a building in Chicago, a Trump Tower in Chicago. Soros covered a huge amount of debt on that. So I think he, going into the election, was compromised. And, and I think Trump is kind of one of these guys that says, I'll figure it out, you know, as I go along and deal with it. And, and I think ultimately he took on like too much, too much water. Like, you know, that's, that's my sense. Um, and that's who you want in office, right? You want somebody who can't really be fully and truly independent because they have all these political favors to pay back. So what do you think is gonna happen? And uh, we brought this up at the beginning of the hour. What do you think is gonna happen? Do you think you're gonna false flag this thing and call off or cancel or postpone the midterms? Yeah, you know, I have some folks still uh, in the G2 community in the military. I, I, I get a lot of traffic. It sounds like they are gonna they're going to do the, the, the spectacle here really soon. They're going to parade him out in um, the bracelets. They're, they're going to arrest Trump. And then shortly thereafter, they're going to unleash a false flag in one of the major cities, whether it be uh, near his home, you know, Miami or something like that, or New York City or Baltimore, one of these major cities. And then um, usher in martial law. I just don't see... And again, I don't know when the last time we had a legitimate election. Obviously, there's no way that there was 81 million votes for Joe Biden. Um, so if they threw one election while the other one team was in power, it, it shouldn't be too difficult for them to throw an election with them in power. Um, but there's just so many question marks right now. I saw a video of uh, Joe Biden yesterday, and it looked like he was in like stage five dementia. I mean, it was hard to watch, even though not a Biden fan, He's embarrassed our state. He's been a parasite to the state of Delaware for 50 years. But I don't wish that on anybody, even my worst enemy, and it's hard to watch. Um, and a lot of it is mockery. I've said before, we've only had two Catholic presidents in our nation's history. They killed one. They basically sacrificed the king. We know the numerology and everything behind that. And this one, they're just making a complete mockery of. Um, can you imagine living in another country and seeing this, this old fool you know, the, no, the, the, no, no, that's a ritual. It's a demoralization ritual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is and people who pay attention know this, right? It's all about demoralization. And we're going to have uh, the uh, the director uh, of health and human services, right? It, Rachel, Rachel Cohen or Richard Cohen or whatever his name is, right? We're assistant, what are you, Commodore? You know, I mean, the whole thing is just a, a part of this. This spectacle, and then the, the assistant to with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and waste, and you know, you've got he's dressing up in heels and red dresses, and they pose together. I mean, this is all done on purpose. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. So, getting back to your point, which I think is a valid one and an interesting one, 
because I do think it will probably arrest Trump, right? You think that that will be real, staged? What do we, what do we know at this point? You know, that, that, there's another million-dollar question, and to me it leads to the fact that I think everything, you know, all the world is a stage, and I do think that he has to be a part of it to... to Listen, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the, the state of Israel, the powers that be, whoever's really controlling this country, they're not going to let anybody uh, step into that office unless they understand the rules and are part of the, the team. And uh, I think it's all part of the game. Um, I really do. And I know it's probably going to upset a lot, uh, upset a lot of people, but I just don't think you can get into that office without being completely compromised and without... Uh, being handed a script. There's, There's just, just so, so much, much lunacy that goes on on a daily basis right now where there's no way this is not scripted. Just like you were saying, Rachel Levine, you've got an admiral. Uh, Rachel Levine, thanks. I, was, I had Cohen in there. Rachel Levine, um, you know, one of the most powerful people in the HHS uh, is a guy in a dress. Are, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. And, and all the things that this country champions look right, right now. You look at California, their two most important bills that they're trying to get pushed through this year, uh, they all deal with abortion. They're, they're all, they're concerned about their, their uh, sacrifice to Moloch under the guise of reproductive health care. How is that reproductive health care? Uh, you're just worried about the, the two most important subjects, I should say, not bills, the, but the two most important subjects. If you go to the state of California and you look at all the bills that they have on the table, most of them either deal with abortion and youth trans rights. And by the way, there's one sick bill in there from, uh, you know who Scott Weiner is? I do. That freak show out there in San Francisco. He has a bill they're trying to push through where... Uh, Youths as young as 15 years old can get the vaccine without having to tell their parents. Right, right. So what is it with the name Wiener? On the, on the East Coast, we had Anthony Wiener and the, his, his whole strange sideshow and circus. Um, what was I going to ask you? Okay. Let's get back to this because I'm very intrigued by the false flag. Yeah. I think it's got to be either Washington, D.C. or New York. If they're going to do this, it's got to be one of the two. And I'm leaning into Washington, D.C. And there hasn't been that type of false flag event since, was that October 2001 with the uh, anthrax attack? That's right, yeah. And by the way, there was a huge financial win, uh, windfall for those folks with that as well. Um, after that happened, they gave, I think, $5 billion to, to uh, USAMRID and Fort Detrick. And many massive contracts were won with that money. Right. So... The reason I think it's going to, I would say I would lean into Washington, D.C., because if they're going to go for it, they're just going to have to go for it, right? And completely obliterate this idea of the country, everything that goes along with Washington, D.C., the monuments, whatever it is. It's like level it and have people just be completely and utterly It'll be 9-11 times 100 if that happens. And then if they, and then they could either pin it to somebody who has some kind of history as being a Trump supporter or a patriot or whatever, or it could set things off and then there's violence in the streets um, and then allows them to have martial law at some point, bringing the, you know, the, the blue hats and 
And then it's, that, that would be a game changer, right? An ultimate game changer, not just to stave off the midterms, but flip the entire thing. All, the, all great points. And, and again, if they do this false flag, uh, which would be great, I'd love to see the Washington Monument get destroyed. All, all the phallic symbols in DC uh, can go as far as I can, uh, I'm concerned. But they could also say that there was a chemical released, even if there even was any chemicals involved with the bombs. Uh, people will buy off on anything. If they came on the TV today, after that, ex let's just say an explosion happens in DC at noon, and then Fox News comes on and says there was, this is a chemical attack, everybody stay in your places. Everybody would lock themselves up in their homes. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how things have been, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately wired. You know, and we're coming to, you know, I, I do, I delve into a lot of astrology and symbolism, and we're coming to the end of Pluto and Capricorn, and we're moving into what we call the age of Aquarius, or Pluto and Aquarius, and everything has to change, right? Like everything, like almost like overnight, and that, the, the first transit of Pluto into Aquarius happens next year in 2023, so we're at the, right at the final degrees we're at the Pluto return of the United States, where it was when uh, the Constitution began its process of being signed. So, so that's, that's symbolic, symbolic in and of itself. itself. On the other hand, we are having huge numbers of people wake up, people like yourself that heard the call, let's get out, let's unplug, let's, let's hit the land, let's raise some chickens, let's grow our own food. And you know, you're an island amongst many other islands that are out there. And that's the flip side of this, right? Because we're, we're kind of funneling into this reality shift. And who's going to dominate this reality shift? Is it going to be one model that's going to be way more top-down than we've ever, we could ever truly imagine involved in every decision-making component of our lives? Or are we going to be the organizing principle? Are we going to be able to live out our God-given ability to be autonomous, uh, to, to be sovereign and to share that with other people in a way that is, you know, for lack of a better term, equal but different. Like, we're all cool. We all bring something to the table. And I think that's really where we're at. We're at this nexus point. And what are your thoughts on that? And what are your thoughts on how we can move towards the type of reality that we want to inhabit and not the ones that they want to prescribe for us? Yeah, and that's the million dollar question. And I ask each and every one of my guests that at the end of every one of my interviews is, you know, how, how, do, we, how do we flip the, the script on these folks? And I'm not sure that uh, we haven't gone past, you know, the, the mark where, you know, we're blessed with technology. Here we are having a conversation and there's people around the world that are listening at the same time. Um, the, the powers that be control what gets heard, what does not get heard for a lot of, uh, you look at YouTube, you know, I'm, I used to have a channel, I got booted, and so many other truthers have been booted from there, so they do control to a certain extent who gets to hear what. I'm of the mindset where I'm more focused locally, uh, get to know my sheriff, my neighbors, uh, my Amish friends, uh, try to get out of the system, we barter. You know, when I take the chickens to the Amish guys, I'll say, here, take a chicken or two for yourself, uh, save the prices. If he needs a ride into town, I give him a ride into town. The federal government, 
uh, is a monster that I'm not sure that we can get enough people on board simply because of what it would take to get rid of the federal government, right? Uh, it's going to take a lot more than uh, loudspeakers and rallies to kill this monster. And that's exactly what we have to do. This is, this is Frankenstein, right? Back, back in the 1700s, they created this monster. It was a beautiful idea, right? We have this Bill of Rights, which, you know, obviously none of them apply anymore. Um, and I always say that the leaders of this country say we're the greatest nation in the world, and they hold up this document. But the words on that document do not apply to our day-to-day -day lives anymore, and they haven't for a long time. Um, I've, I've become, in my old age, an anarchist. I'd rather not have any federal government whatsoever. I'll take my chances with my community. And listen, if, if China or Russia, if they ever put their, you know, landed on our country and attacked us, I'd be the first one to put my uniform back on and fight. But the fact of the matter is, when was the last time that we ever fought a just war? I'm still waiting for somebody to explain to me why did we send 58,000 men and women to their death in Vietnam? Um, and here's something that, that I thought about the other day. How has nobody ever been arrested for Iraq? Could you imagine going to your neighbor house, your neighbor's house, excuse me, and, and killing uh, a guy? And when the cops show up, you say, well, I had heard that he was going to harm her. What proof do you have? Well, I, I got this document I had heard on the radio, so I was just trying to prevent this guy from killing her. No, and that's exactly what Iraq was. It was based on lies. We went in and ruined generations. If you don't want to sleep for a week, go to Google and put in babies of Fallujah. And then good luck for a week. And nobody, not one person was ever held accountable for it. We invaded a sovereign country, and, and everybody's okay with that. And not just a sovereign country, but a sovereign country we set up, right? Saddam Hussein was our guy in the Middle East for a long period of time. We helped him beef up his Navy to take on Iran in a prolonged battle and struggle with Iran back in the 1980s. Um, and then, you know, hey, we're going to turn on you. We're going to turn on you because, you know, you're, you're expendable, just like any other proxy that we put in power at any point in time across, you know, the, the, the you know, recent history. And yeah, like, where's Amnesty International with all that? Silent. There was no no talk about war crimes. None. I mean, even like Abu Ghraib, whatever that was, right? Whatever Abu Ghraib was, I mean, it was like, no, you know, we're just going to have the international community hate you again because for a brief period of time there was some sympathy there. But you got you have a really great point. Like, when was the last truly just war we were involved in? 1812, maybe. I don't know. Right. Everything else is just, it, it, it's just doing the bidding of the, you know, the corporate, corporate slave masters, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, military industrial complex, have nothing to do with, you know, protecting, you know, our sovereignty, none whatsoever. That's a great point. I, don't, I can't remember the last just war, maybe 1812, and I might even be stretching that. Yeah, certainly not, uh, whoa, certainly not the Civil War. Um, you know, no, that, that was, was the, the, the largest uh, abuse of power. That, that actually made uh, Barack Obama look like an angel, all the things that, that Abraham Lincoln did, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a whole other topic for another conversation. What was really interesting, I was listening to Dave Scorpio's show on Saturday. Yeah, that was interesting. And he had that guy Io on there. Did you hear that? 
I heard bits and pieces. Yeah, very interesting guy. So Io was like, you know, he was lionizing Abraham Lincoln. I'm like, why? <laughs> it's like, you got some good information there, brother, but there's a few little knots you got to untie um, in your in your uh, dissertation on the Civil War. Um, so you were you you served in the U.S. military? Did I get that right? Did I pick up I did. That had a, a large uh, play on my awakening process. Uh, had a conversation with a flag officer uh, the day before I redeployed home from one of my tours of Iraq, and he kind of gave me the skinny on the Bush family. I had no idea who Prescott Bush was before that day. And just as the war, I did four tours in Iraq, and my third and fourth tour, I was writing a lot of contracts. I was overseeing a lot of contracts, and I'm like, are, are you kidding me? We're, we're giving this much money for, for this? Uh, just blow your mind, absolutely blow your mind. So how aware do you think people in the military are of the things that we talk about, the global game, all the inside stuff? More than before. Again, this is one of, we talk about the blessings and the curses of the internet. I get emails all the time. A lot of guys, because of they're in the military, uh, they don't want to say their name, obviously, for repercussions, because that's something they deal with. Um, but there's more and more, there is a mass awakening. There really is. The problem is organization, uh, organizing amongst ourselves, um, bringing forth uh, an effort. But they're, with this COVID thing, they really overplayed their cards um, to the point where there's videos of 2021 where all these people, whether it be Biden, Fauci, um, if you get this vaccine, you won't get sick. And now, you know, he's, he's gotten, what, four times already? And Jill, Jill Biden, she tested positive. The, the CEO of Pfizer, Anthony Borla, he's tested positive. Well, I think all these now, all these people coming out saying they tested positive. This is just advertisements for Paxlovid. Because if you note, it, if you note in their, uh, on their tweets and things, I've, I've tested positive for COVID-19. However, I'm thankful I've been double boosted and I am now taking Paxlovid and I'm on my way to recovery. So they're, they're putting this Paxlovid word out there because uh, Big Pharma needs their, their ching ching. Right, yeah, yeah, I've noticed that. And they did the same thing at the beginning of COVID with people like Tom Hanks and you had these celebrities who were uh, basically playing another role in reinforcing this idea that this thing existed in the way that they said that it existed. Right. So, yeah, the game goes on. As far as the organizing part, this is one thing that I, I do believe, and it does come back to this idea of astrology and Aquarius. And you cannot predict Aquarius, right? You can't, like Capricorn, which is what we're moving out of, says, okay, I'm going to start a company. Here's the business model, right? Uh, here's the bottom line. This is where we're going to get our seed money. These are the people that are going to be involved in the board. And these are all the steps that we're going to follow. And that has worked for a number of people. That's not how Aquarius works. Aquarius works in reverse, and it also is spontaneously organizational. So I have faith in the fact that we will know what to do when the time comes. Like there will be a greater, um, I guess, prime directive that connects each and every one of us in that moment. And that at the end of the day, we'll figure it out. Because there's no roadmap for this anyway. No. Right? I mean, there's no roadmap for this anyway. I mean, maybe in your area, you could have, you could have maybe a dozen Georges. 
within a 50 mile radius. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like you have a network. But even from what I can tell, based on the people that you're working with, the Amish who are probably a very different background than you, right? This is, this is part of what we're into now. This is, this is what's happening. You know, and, and the differences that we might have with some groups, they're gonna go away. Like they're gonna dissolve because, you know, when we get into a crisis mode, you can either go two ways. You can either work with other people or you can go down like a version of, you know, that movie, The Road, right? So I feel like we're gonna be in the former versus the latter because we've been, we've been priming for this, right? We've been connecting, we've been exchanging ideas. You know, we're, we're, we're building this invisible network amongst one another. And I think that's like an investment. To me, that's like a, a spiritual and energetic investment. So I have faith that we're gonna be able to pull it together when the time comes. And we don't really need to know how we're gonna do this. That, that's my two cents around it. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And it's good to have that positivity. The one thing I am concerned of is I think when this massive false flag does come about, uh, I think they may throw the switch on the internet. So um, I talk a lot, I hope everybody has alternative modes uh, of communication, whether it be long distance CB radios or I'm a ham radio operator. I'm KG5, Whiskey Uniform, November, if anybody wants to look me up and hit me up. I usually am on Monday nights at 7 p.m. on some relays and doing combo checks and things like that. But I think you're right. And by the way, if God didn't think that you couldn't handle where we are right now, he wouldn't put you here. I know there's a lot of people nervous, worried, but um, be warriors, be strong. And again, God put you here for a reason. He put you in this time frame for a reason because you can handle it and um, you know, pick up the armor of God and you know, get ready. Well, George, I, I wish we lived closer together because I'd love to have you as my, my backdoor neighbor. Uh, and not only for your wisdom, but for your connections and uh, probably your, your really great tasting chickens too. This is great. Let's do it again some other time. And uh, let's hang out together. Maybe, you know, maybe next month or something, we'll have you on. We'll compare some notes, especially as we get closer to November. So thanks for being here today. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Before you, do you have to run right the second? I've got six minutes left on my timer. Oh, okay. Because I had somebody call in. I didn't know if he wanted to. Would you be okay to take the call real quick? Sure, sure. That's fine. All right, here we go. We have area code four away. I think this is Paul in California. Paul, can you hear us? Yes, I'm Dick Cheney. I approve of this message. <laughs> we have Dick Cheney on the phone. <laughs> Big Dick is here. Uh, uh, you know, he was some great uh, fodder. For Saturday Night Live skits back in the day, you know, you got to give him that. Yeah, he was. Is this the Paul that, that calls into the Jim Fetzer show? Yeah, I know. The, I know this person. Not personally, but I know. I know who he is. Paul's kind of. I'm uh, picturing a, a commercial, you know, where Dick Cheney's like, "You better vote for my daughter, Lindsay Cheney. I got the shotgun here." <laughs> you know. When I hear you guys talking about all these different scenarios, I'm, I'm got to admit, it's intriguing, it's interesting to me. Most of the time, the better part of my life, politics did not interest me in any way, shape, or form. You know, because I've just always said, no politician ever has ever affected my life in any way. I mean, you know, I lived my whole life, my whole career, and I didn't have to interact with anybody. Occasionally get a ticket by a cop, that's about it, right? 
Uh, every now and then you got to go pull a permit for somebody that insists on, you know, doing everything permitted. That was a, you know, as a landscape contractor. But other than that, what, what interaction do most people have with the government and, you know, the TV, you just, you just watch it. You know, this whole idea of elections anyway, it's, um, it's interesting. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I almost feel like to make it even better, we should have like a betting board, you know, where we can just tell different scenarios and uh, put odds out. You know, we could make wagers, you know, based upon, I mean, like you said, Trump in handcuffs, yes or no, you know. Minus one twenty on the end. <laughs> I'll take yeah, that. We've, we, yeah, yeah, we've, we've talked about that. that. It's like it's like the the, fall, the false flag uh, betting board. Yeah. So alien invasion. Where do you put that? One fifty, right? Or two fifty? Something like that. Yeah, I would. I, I don't. I don't think that's viable. Um, I, well, I it's viable if they want to. If they want to play. If they want to play the script. It's viable, right? They could, they could probably, they could probably pull that off if they wanted to. Now, how long people would believe it? That's a whole other story, right? I guess I, I think it would last less long than the virus, you know, because it's very particular, right? The alien invasion. Okay, where? What? I don't see any aliens here. I don't see any flying saucers here. At least with the virus, you got something that has a hundred plus year history. Of you know the scary boogie man that you can't see and catch from other people, and you know people still believe it, but more and more people are open to hearing it. I get less and less resistance when I bring up either no viruses or viruses don't cause disease or or the Jews. I mean, just uh, day before yesterday, walking my dog, some older Mexican man turned out he went to a high school near where I am, same district. He's about three four years uh, younger than me. Started talking. He said he was a uh, uh, with some union uh, place as a contractor, and then he retired. He didn't want to go out and deal with all the COVID nonsense and blah blah blah. And next thing you know, we we're just like into it. And I said right away, I said I'll just I'll just cut to the chase. So you know, it's the Jews, right? They're the ones that control banking and the media, blah blah blah. And he just goes, Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now you know this is happening more and more, and it's it's. Because of the internet, of what's what's occurred in the last you know, however many years, so I don't. I don't so I'm so I, I hate to put, uh, cut Paul off here. But I have to transition in two minutes, and I do want to respond to something he has to say. And that interaction that you had with that man on the street—that's important, and it's happening more and more and more. I have my own version of that with a parts guy, auto parts guy, in town. This is about a year ago. Within two minutes, like we dropped into dark matter, right? We dropped into the dark matter, and we and there was no um, no difficulty in comparing notes on our version of reality. It was very very similar. So I just wanted to affirm that, and don't be afraid to have conversations with people that are different than you. I think that's really really important because you'll find out that you're not all that different when it comes to these really vital matters. Um, so, so with that, Paul, thank you for your perspective. And George, thanks for being here. And let's do this again next month. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll do it next month. Thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it, sir. Nice meeting you. Yeah, great meeting you too as well. All right. That is George Hobbs. And he uh, has a show and a website called Fact Hunter. And this was great. It was a way for us to build a bridge and connect during this show in real time. And I'd like us to do more of that. So thanks for being here. Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart to say what's possible. Until tomorrow, I'm Robert Phoenix. Take care and bye for now.